Germany and later of Japan. Those powers were responsible for initiating the bombing of civilians, and they had no possible legitimate grounds for complaint when their own people suffered the same fate. Meanwhile, the Holocaust represented an ideologically driven genocide quite unrelated to securing Nazi victory. Some attempts have been made in modern times to treat Allied bomber airmen as if they had been complicit in war crimes. In truth, these were blameless and indeed admirable young men who carried out one of the most perilous tasks of the war, more than half of all those who flew for Bomber Command perished, which they were assured was advancing the cause of Allied victory. Blame for the mistakes that were undoubtedly made, strategic, tactical, moral, must properly rest with their commanders, up to and including Winston Churchill. Senior airmen at the time made highly exaggerated claims for what area bombing could achieve, was achieving, and had achieved. Harris even claimed absurdly that it provided the 1944-45 Allied armies with a walkover. In truth, while bombing severely impeded German industrial production, it was much less important than the Red Army in winning the war and failed in its objective of breaking the German population's morale. Most of my own views expressed in this book remain unchanged, but I now believe that I underestimated one important contribution the RAF and United States Air Force made, forcing the Germans to divert from the battlefronts to the air defence of the Reich immense numbers of aircraft and guns. British area bombing began in 1942, when Britain was struggling desperately to identify any means of inflicting significant damage on Hitler's empire. Lacking a big army, it could do almost nothing on land. It seems to me that in 1945, when victory was obviously imminent, the destruction of German cities became difficult, if not impossible, reasonably to justify. But the 21st century critics of bombing often seem to ignore the old truth that we make war as we can rather than as we should. If the bomber offensive became a moral as well as strategic muddle, so do many other things in peace as in war. For me, as a historian born after the war, although I offer many opinions about what our grandfathers did, I try to retain a fundamental humility about the fact that they faced huge challenges, threats, dilemmas, stresses, such as we have been mercifully spared. We ought to examine what happened through the prism and by the values of their period, not those of our own immensely cosseted and privileged one. My respect for those who flew for Bomber Command, as for their American counterparts, remains very great. I hope that a new generation of readers will be as moved by their stories as I was when first I heard them thirty-five years ago. Though the German people merit pity for what they endured at the hands of Bomber Command and the United States Air Force between 1940 and 45, I still adhere firmly to the conviction that this was a part of the tragic price they were obliged to pay for having followed Adolf Hitler to war in a cause of untold evil. Max Hastings, 2014
Prologue Norfolk and Heligoland Bight, 18th December, 1939 On Monday, the 18th of December, 1939, leading aircraftsman Harry Jones of 37 Squadron, Bomber Command, ate his last breakfast in England for five and a half years, at home in Feltwell, with his wife Mary. The war was already more than three months old, yet the Joneses' lives still possessed the tidy discipline of suburban commuters. Feltwell was a tiny Norfolk village on the edge of the empty horizons of the Fens, where they rented a small flat. Every morning, L.A.C. Jones kissed Mary, boarded his squadron bicycle, and pedalled for ten minutes down the road to the airfield where 37 Squadron was based.